I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. And we're coming to you from the Kodo of the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm Podcast for September 4th, 2009, in which we look at the issue of justice. So the other day I was uh, driving, I think it was on Route 80, and actually I think I was being driven uh, over the weekend, Memorial Day weekend, and I saw a bumper sticker that caught my eye, and it said, uh, if you want peace, work for justice. And so I think the reason that uh, I thought it was interesting is because uh, I do uh, think that peace is desirable, and I would like to see peace in the world. Um, I was also brought up somewhat cynically by my father, um, and so I have kind of a, um, a cynical side too that, you know, well, good luck. <laughs> right? And I think a lot of people probably feel that way, right? I think maybe, you know, the 60s and 70s and John Lennon and um, Imagine yeah. and Give Peace a Chance and everything, um, you know, it appealed to a lot of people and a lot of people felt that that should be true. Um, and yet maybe people got very um, disillusioned and cynical in seeing that um, how difficult it is to actually achieve. And so I talk about peace sometimes um, at temple in my Dharma talks or whatever. Uh, and I felt like this bumper sticker in a way gave a clue maybe of why peace is so difficult uh, to, because we can talk about peace all we want, but if uh, this bumper sticker is implying that if you don't have justice, if people aren't being treated in a just manner, then peace will be impossible. Which begs the question. What is justice? <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think was one of the questions we have, but also um, since this is supposed to be a Buddhist podcast, um, what does that mean in a Buddhist context? Yeah. yeah. So that's our jumping off point today. Yep. And as uh, our some of our listeners probably read my blog and you know that I don't particularly like talking about social issues. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the blog I saw. <laughs> that's the other blog, right? right. Um, so... Who knows where this will take us? Let's find out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess I guess the first question is, what do we mean by justice? Because I keep jokingly, you know, referring back to the Justice League. Yeah, <laughs> that wonderful cartoon from the '80s, I think, huh? Although I'm sure the the group goes the, back further. That was the '70s. Uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not recount the history yeah. of uh, <laughs> bad TV animation versions of DC Comics. <laughs> But 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 those I think that the sort of comic book version of justice, particularly from that time period, is very black and white, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. It's there's good guys and bad guys, and right, right. as long as the bad guys get caught and put in jail, justice has been served. Mm -hmm. Hooray! Which is interesting if you compare that to, uh, for example, the new uh, Batman movies, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where you know the new Batman uh, in the Christopher Nolan movies uh, is a very complex character. Right, because he's looking to bring justice to Gotham, but he's also a vigilante. Mm -hmm. He's breaking the law to do that, and he's using methods that are outside the sort of established system okay. in order to fight just uh, fight injustice, which I think is relevant um, because it points to the complexity of that issue. Mm -hmm. How do we define justice? How do we define injustice? What are the methods? Are the are the methods just in order to create justice, even if the methods themselves might not be just? Mm -hmm. And justice, to me, also implies 
law right. and legality, and we have the justice system, and there's a judge who uh, listens to the case and then makes a decision uh, and decides whether you're guilty or not, <laughs> and then right. punishes accordingly. Right. Right. So I think, in a way, um, uh, justice, uh, and we can see that with like the, the the chief justice and you know the um, the whole Supreme Court and everything that um, it has. In, in English, it has a very um, legalistic kind of um, connotation as well. Although that doesn't necessarily apply to all all um, all um, cases, but right, yeah. So, what does that have to do with Buddhism? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, or I, I guess another question would be: Why should Buddhists? Or should Buddhists be interested in working for justice, or should they have a position on what justice means? Mm. Right. Um, and I think what what immediately comes to my mind are, are two things, and one has to do with the the general idea in Buddhism that you know life is dukkha, um, life is suffering, and that we're supposed to undo that. Well, so you could one thing you could do is you could sort of apply that model to uh, you know social issues and say, well, these people are suffering, that therefore is unjust and we should stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that also touches on the other issue, which is the bodhisattva path, which is, you know implies that our whole purpose is to help other suffering sentient beings. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are very, to me, very broad and very general notions that once you start looking at the details get much more tricky. Mm-hmm. Get much more tricky. I mean. What does it mean to say someone's suffering? <laughs> right, 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 right. And, you know, and how far do you extend that? And what are the causes of those suffering? And how far do you extend those causes? I mean, you know, uh, I don't want to get too much into the vegetarian vegetarian vegetarianism debate, but mm-hmm. there's, you know, that, that issue in there of, well, I didn't kill the animal, so... I'm not actually taking someone's life, but then again, if you purchase the meat, then you're enabling somebody else to participate in that act of killing. So there's that whole mess of interconnections going on. Mm-hmm. How responsible are we for the injustices in the world, mm-hmm. even if we aren't participating in them in a direct way? Mm-hmm. You can see it in environmentalism as well. And, right. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a complicated mess. Yeah. Um, Another thing I think we need to realize is that uh, when we say Buddhism <laughs> refers to, you know, Which I mean, we're talking about Buddhism now, I think, in a way, but I mean, we um, are heirs in a way to the Buddhist tradition or traditions, and that not all Buddhism has been um, on the side of the downtrodden, um, <laughs> has, you know, that um, some forms of Buddhism have been. Um, trying to maintain the status quo, uh, maintain positions of power for certain groups and maintain positions of disempowerment for other social mm-hmm. groups like farmers or peasants or whatever. Um, and that we can see that in Kamakura period Japan. Uh, we could probably find it in other um, areas as well. Uh, and so uh, have to realize that Buddhism isn't, I don't know, the, the um, I think in a way that, you know, uh, looking at, this idea of, you know, if you want peace, then we need justice, um, could be seen as a kind of a, a liberal kind of view. Yeah. Right? And then I think often Buddhism is uh, naturally associated with liberal kind of viewpoint, but that's not necessarily the case. Uh, they can be very socially conservative mm-hmm. Buddhism as well. Uh, 
And so that's just something kind of to keep in mind too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 to me, it touches on issues of ethics too, and mm-hmm. and and morality. And I'm gonna bring up a story that that was uh, had a big impact on me. Um, in April, I think it was, uh, there was a lecture here at the Institute of Buddhist Studies by uh, Steve Jenkins, I think his name is. Um, that was filmed and is now part of the IBS podcast, so you can watch it. Um, but his lecture was on compassionate violence mm-hmm. in the Buddhist tradition, um, which was a super fascinating lecture because there's um, a sort of well-known theme in a lot of uh, particularly tantric literature that talks about um, certain violent aspects being used in a compassionate way in order to help people attain awakening. And, and it sort of opens up some morally ambiguous ideas. And his point was these, these uh, professor, professor Jenkins point was that these themes actually show up in much earlier Buddhist texts, oh, yeah, yeah, including yeah. some uh, Pali texts. Mm-hmm. Um, my, one of my favorite parts of this was that he says that there's um, a well-known description of the Buddha as he's teaching being uh, attended upon by a very large, very burly bodyguard who's carrying a Vajra, uh, not the the symbolic Vajra, but a literal Vajra, meaning a gigantic club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then if you mess with the Buddha, the bodyguard's going to come after you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the and the one of the main points of his lecture was that if you look at the the different uses of violence and different uses of ethics and whatnot in in Buddhist literature, that there are no absolutes. Mm-hmm. that ethical and moral decisions are almost always contextual and that what seems like something that might be inherently violent or uh, cruel behavior in one context in another context is perfectly compassionate. And these texts have these very you know elaborate examples and they start off kind of simply, with, and there's this one where they say, if, you know, if you're uh, bitten by a poisonous snake in the finger, the doctor might come and cut your finger off to keep the poison from spreading to the rest of your body. Cutting a finger off seems like a horribly violent act, but in that particular context, it's perfectly compassionate. In fact, it's the most compassionate thing you can do. And so one of the points here is that I think that we have to be, to me, it seems like we have to sort of be open to different perspectives and and contextual ethics, which I think is, is uncomfortable for a lot of people who want to see sort of like the superhero model of black and white. Mm-hmm. There's always a good, there's always a wrong. Mm-hmm. But maybe there isn't. And well, killing is a great example, I yeah. think, because um, you, you might think, well, maybe we can say killing is wrong and from a Buddhist point of view. But if you eat meat, you're engaged in, kind of like you mentioned, you're engaged in killing yeah. automatically. That mean, If you want to take that to its extreme, don't kill any insects. Uh, don't use any uh, vaccines, any kind of like injecting living organisms into your body because you may be killing them. Right. Right. It's like, right. and a virus is a living thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so don't kill the viruses. Yeah. 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 So that it, it, it can't be just brought down to this uh, black and white kind of easy answer. Yeah. 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 So I think that opens up some possibilities for what, what counts as an injustice. Ah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to flip that around, right. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's one thing to say, well, the the just thing to do in this particular circumstance might be different from a different circumstance, but then again, maybe what we think is an injustice might not be an injustice. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time thinking of examples of that because I really want to, there's still that part of me, for example, that really wants there to be black and white, right? There's right, right, right. That right. part of me that's like, no, some things are always wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. just wrong. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, that's part, I think, of, of the problem is if you 
um, think that right and wrong are easily determined and somehow natural. Right. That there's just natural right and wrong, and you should know it when you see it. And that would be great, but uh, life isn't that easy yeah. and clean, and it's actually much more ambiguous and uh, complex than that. Uh, and so I maybe and maybe Buddhism can contribute something to that debate and uh, kind of recognizing that uh, in any action there are innumerable causes and conditions. I just started reading um, a book by the Dalai Lama, his commentary on the Bodhisattva way of life, hmm. life of the way of life of the Bodhisattva or Shanti Devas. Yeah. yeah, and it's some it's a uh, uh, transcript of a lecture that he gave ten twenty years ago on it, and just um, pointing out that. Uh, Behind anything, there are all these causes and conditions. It's not this simple one-to-one kind of correlation uh, and kind of, I think, awakening to that ambiguity and awakening to uh, or becoming aware of how many um, things go into a decision that we make uh, and and not having a knee-jerk reaction, oh, should have done this, that was yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think the same could be applied to social justice issues too, right? I think that there's this, I think there's definitely a tendency particularly in America, <laughs> um, on both sides of the political aisle, so to speak, mm-hmm. of people sort of assuming that, you know, uh, jumping to those conclusions of this event is definitely unjust or this event is definitely wrong or this one is right or, or whatnot and sort of, you know, unable to deal with uh, more complex issues. Uh, uh, an example of this, I think, um, from from current events is this issue with uh, um President Obama right now is dealing with uh, the closing of the Guantanamo Bay. Mm. Um, and it's very difficult because what do we do with these people? And there's these, you know, extreme views of, you know, everyone deserves a fair trial on the left. And then there's the the, the conservative folks who are saying, no, 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 they're not going to be here in America, ah, you know, and whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I don't think that we can look at this issue and, and just say that it, there's one answer that's going to be right for each individual person in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, some of the prisoners that are in there are probably imprisoned wrongly, and we need to deal with that in, uh, you know, in a just, legal manner, no doubt. But there's also some folks in there that really are probably really, really bad, and we cannot set them free. <laughs> or we shouldn't, or they will do more bad things. And that, you know, the, the liberal part of me makes me, it, it makes me uncomfortable with that. But it's still true, and it's, it's difficult to approach that complex issue from this one viewpoint that, you know, everyone is equal and everyone needs to be treated justly and everybody needs to be set free or do something to them or whatever, or torture them all and lock them all up or whatever from the, from the opposite point of view. Mm-hmm. I think it's much more complicated than that. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, I think, um, well, one of the issues too is who decides what is just. Right. Right. And that, um, uh, well, the victors write history, right. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know, and that, um, that there is no, well, is there, or maybe, is there one true universal justice and law? Or do we have these these uh, different shades of gray or whatever, and kind of depending on who's in power, who has the most seats in Congress or whatever <laughs> here in this country, or, you know, that, um, you know, to recognize that there are these different viewpoints and that what one person considers just, someone else may consider unjust. Yeah. Right, and how do you balance those? Yeah, yeah. And from a from a purely political, modern perspective, in a diverse society like the United States, you have to 
balance all of those things. Mm -hmm. And I think that actually probably is like when you get back to the Buddhist aspect of this is not irrelevant. I think that my, what I'm coming to sort of realize in, in Buddhist ethics is that part of it is, is sort of balancing the, the boat, the, the most possible good for the most possible beings versus creating the, the, you know, most possible harm for the most possible people. <laughs> um, I think that's, that's really the challenge is saying, well, in you know situation X, I'm bound to screw somebody over, <laughs> mm -hmm. so I'm going to do my best to minimize that. Mm -hmm. Right? Maybe that's part of the the Buddhist response, mm -hmm. which which reminds me of what you were saying before we started recording about uh, the the temple that you were saying that had the Prince Shutoku. Oh yeah yeah yeah, and a different um, different perspective on what justice might mean. Right. That um, uh, there's Prince Shotoku. Uh, is uh, or Shotoku Taishi is a famous figure in Japanese history, and he's um, uh, after Chinese culture and Buddhism come begin to be introduced to Japan, and uh, he uh, he wasn't an emperor; he was prince. But he wrote supposedly wrote these treatises on on Buddhism, recommending Buddhism, and is kind of looked to as maybe one of the father figures of of Japanese Buddhism. And Shinran looks up to him a lot and wrote wasans to him and everything. And so uh, the constitution. He wrote this constitution, hmm. supposedly. And there's some scholars say he it may have just come from China, that you know, and it's probably written in Chinese. So one of the temples I was at, uh, above the Naijin, the often in the Naijin, the main hall, above or in the, the Hondo is the main hall, and then above the Naijin will be Chinese characters. And it might be Muryoko, like immeasurable light. Uh, but this one had interesting characters, and it was Lodi, I'll tell you. It was uh, my previous, the <laughs> temple where I served at previously. And people started coming to me saying, Sensei, what does that say? I've been looking at it for 20, 30 years, and I never knew what it meant. So I had to, you know, I took a picture and sent it to my our friend Kanjo in Japan and asked him, what is this? He goes, oh, that's Shotoku Taishi's words. And it means uh, harmony should be valued. Hmm. And so, oh, okay, interesting. Um that, I think, would be a social ideal for Japanese society at the very least, if not a broader Asian kind of right. view. And like, for instance, Japan is sometimes referred to as the land of wa, wa meaning harmony. So that social harmony is the point. And, and if that, you had a harmonious society, maybe that would be a just society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideally, I think so. Um, I think cynically... You see people, you know, being hurt for the sake of harmony in order to maintain harmony. Right. Um, Which is a real concern because that, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think that gets us off the hook, right? I think we still have to figure out what harmony means. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and certainly what it meant for Shotoku Taishi is, is different from what it might mean for you or I. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But, it, you know, I think, and still it could probably be abused, like you said, to, you know, hurt some people in order to maintain harmony. Right. So there's an example of that from Buddhism. Uh, maybe we can take a cynical view, and there's an idea of reality as it is, uh, and uh, that reality is right as it is. Um, sono mama might be one, arino mama, um, and those can be very positive terms, but it, apparently in the Kamakura period, there were some that would say that things should be the way they are. If you're a peasant, you're supposed to be a peasant. Right. If you're a king or an emperor, you're supposed to be an emperor. If you try and upset that social order, then you're going against how reality should be. 
So this is very much a kind of, for the sake of harmony, for the sake of the, the cosmic order, right. things should be kept as they Don't are. Don't rock the boat. Yeah, and the status quo. <laughs> and, and some of this has to do with the, a certain interpretation of karma. Mm-hmm. And that your life right now, which, you know, your life right now is the result of karma. And so there's this idea that, well, if you're in a sorry state right now, it's because you must have done something terrible in a past life. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently that's being used uh, in Cambodia, modern day Cambodia, uh, to discriminate against people who are victims of landmines uh, and that there's really extreme uh, social discrimination in some cases where people who have been lost limbs or whatever are kind of made outcasts yeah. rather than um, helped because, well, it's your fault because of your karma, past deeds, you got what you deserved kind of feeling, which is, to me, a misread of karma, yeah. of Buddhist karma anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole yeah. point of Buddhism is that you can transcend karma, right. that you're not chained to the karma, although the chains are are strong, but Buddhism... You know, I think really the point is that you can transcend it. That you're not just automatically, that's the way it is and you can't do anything, you're stuck. Right. And, so. I, and I think that the, to me that reading of karma contradicts the idea of free will, which I think that Buddhism does not negate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also runs counter to the idea of compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to the extent that compassion or... Uh, even Karuna in Pali is such an important part of uh, Buddhist practice. It seems to me that a response to somebody having their limb blown off by a landmine should not be, oh, well, tough luck. Right. That does not seem compassionate to me. Right. <laughs> and I can't, I'm not blaming right, Cambodian of course Buddhists not, of course not. Um, across the board. I'm, I'm, I'm not that aware, um, you know. We're not um, in it. Detailed of, yeah. you know, the, the situation. And I'm sure that not all Cambodian Buddhists feel that way. But it's an example of Buddhism being used, Buddhist rhetoric, uh, doctrine, uh, being used to enable social discrimination. Right. So, and I don't want to only give examples like that. I don't think that that's all that Buddhism can do. Um, yeah, of course not. We're a couple of old cynics, apparently. But yeah. there's, <laughs> there's lots of uh, amazing, wonderful work that Buddhists are doing around the world um, in the engaged and social justice issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh is an obvious example, but I mean, beyond him, I know there's huge, there's a huge uh, organization whose name I can't not think of right now that, that comes from Taiwan, uh, Compassion Relief Diaspora, I think, mm-hmm. um, that does a lot of really good social work. Um, okay. And, you know, so there's plenty of, of, of good, happy, liberal social Buddhists out there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, and also the Dalai Lama is another prime example of somebody who is uh, really a, a exceptional figure to the extent that he is so uh, vehemently committed to the idea of using compassionate nonviolence in his approach with the Chinese, which is, mm-hmm. um, which is certainly not something that the 13th Dalai Lama did. Mm-hmm. The 13th Dalai Lama had a much more antagonistic relationship to China um, and may have actually used violence in order to resist Chinese occupation, mm-hmm. whereas the current 14th Dalai Lama has actually completely resisted the idea of using any kind of violence whatsoever, which is, which is admirable and, and, you know, we should be very grateful that we have him as an example in, in our yeah, yeah, current yeah. Uh, history. And it's great, uh, just the fact that um, the Dalai Lama's, two of his big influences are Martin Luther King Jr. and Mohandas K. Gandhi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's great that, you know, um, to me, 
that, you know, it's not only keeping this narrow view of only the Buddhist tradition, but, you know, being open to uh, these uh, other influences and, um, you know, profound influences from the 20th century. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, yeah, and, you know, Buddhists, again, um, I don't want mean to focus only on the negative, but um, Buddhists have, even though we, we've talked about monastics recently, uh, but one would presume that monastics would not engage in violence, uh, but we have countless examples, well, not countless, but several examples of, of armed monks, uh, whether it's, well, Shaolin monks on one side, and, you know, that's, I mean, <laughs> um, I don't want to get too much into that, but um, I think the history there is kind of... Uh, 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 murky, of, yeah. you know, the Shao, Shaolin monks and, you know, martial arts, kind of like Buddhist approach to martial arts, which isn't necessarily, it may be physically violent and yet not necessarily from the point of view of trying to enact violence on others, more whether it's self-defense or, sure. or you know, trying to do things in a, uh, uh, just in, in, in meeting the opposition kind of as opposed to like going out and beating a bunch of people up. Yeah. Uh, but there were monastic armies mm-hmm. probably in korea probably in china definitely in japan when there Not were, he had know, the sohei the the um the warrior monks and there's definitely you know buddhist countries that have been engaged in warfare mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. two thousand years mm-hmm. um everyone loves to talk about king ashoka for example being the great sort of buddhist monarch in india um he unified india and he did that using an army I mean, we have to be honest about that. Mm-hmm. He might have been a much more benevolent ruler than some other rulers throughout history, but he still had an army <laughs> and, you know, and was Buddhist. So, I mean, we have to, I think that the point here is just to acknowledge that there's no uh, monolithic viewpoint on social justice issues from the Buddhist perspective that coincides with a contemporary politically liberal American idea of what social justice should be. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, um, <laughs> I also think that we're perfectly within our, well, I think it's perfectly okay to look at Buddhist history um, and reinterpret Buddhist positions on ethics from a contemporary viewpoint and make them applicable to our own lives mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and look for inspiration in the history or look for inspiration in the current figures and say, well, you know. Buddhism does have these negative, cynical things that we like to, you know, sort of point our listeners to, but it also has a lot of really great inspirational figures, and we can look at issues like compassion and the whole Bodhisattva ideal and use those as a model for approaching contemporary issues Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and how to interact with the world. So, you know, yeah, maybe there were some, there are some negative interpretations or less than compassionate interpretations of Buddhism being used, but we can also do the exact opposite and interpret Buddhism in a way that helps, that helps people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think compassion is maybe the key term if you had to point to one thing and that um, this ideal of compassion for all beings ultimately mm-hmm. and uh, compassion as the ideal way of being uh, and that we would want to, and to me, com- to me, like I think we talked about a little bit with like evil in Buddhism and, and, one of my ideas is that evil is um, evil in Buddhism to me is something that causes harm, so that good becomes something that eases suffering or, or doesn't cause harm to others, right? And so, uh, compassion would be trying to lessen the amount of harm that one causes to others, trying to lessen um, people's being harmed, maybe not by yourself but by others, 
Uh, and so I, I, I think that that, but at the same time, being honest with yourself too, right? And that harm, uh, you know, if you really wanted to do that, vegetarianism would probably be the way to go because um, meat eating necessarily causes harm to living beings. Right. And my understanding of of Buddhism is that it's not only people that we're worried about, we're worried about yeah. all beings. But then, like we said before, well, do you take that to mosquitoes? Do you take that to uh, <laughs> microorganisms? Right. You know, that, that, but, but that to address that, to look at it um, honestly and not just kind of um, brush it under the rug. Right. Well, I think that that feeds into the other thing that I think that Buddhism has to offer, um, and that would be this focus on mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and the reason why I think this is important is because I think that when we really practice mindfulness, we become aware of our relationship to other sentient beings, um, which we can certainly extend to the, the animals that we might consume, but I think we could extend that to food in general. Right, but when you become more mindful of what you're eating, I think that you necessarily think, "Oh, I have a choice today. I can either go to McDonald's or I can, you know, eat something more healthy that will ultimately create more benefit in the world." I mean, food is a huge issue. I think, mm-hmm. um, in general, not just the meat issue, but I mean, how we, where our food comes from, who's producing it, all of those, you know, and the, the relationship that the food industry has to the environment in general, you know. I think mindfulness helps in that way to sort of place you within that context, that interrelated context. Um, I think it also helps with just interpersonal relationships. I think that the more mindful we are of what we're doing, the less likely we are to behave in a way that causes friction in sort of an everyday kind of way. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of my many of my many of my pet peeves mm-hmm. <laughs> in life <laughs> have to do with people who are you know very have the blinders on, right? Who are just sort of like going through their day without even sort of looking around where they are and they might run into you on the street accidentally or, you know, those kinds of issues. And I think that if we're more mindful of our environment, what's going on around us, then we're more apt to have an interest in what happens to other people, mm-hmm. right? And if you can extend that beyond just the sort of everyday driving around town or walking around the street to larger social issues, I think that you can see a sort of recurring pattern, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering too about um, maybe the, the, that issue of, of um, the bumper sticker. Um, and for me, I think it was good because it, it um, made me think about peace in a different way. But maybe justice isn't the only thing. Mm. Right? And that it doesn't, I think that if we um, put it only in terms of justice, then um, it, it, it brings up a lot of different um, connotations or assumptions. Right, and that maybe um, justice isn't the main thing, the only thing that we need to be talking about. Um, it was interesting because I, I was I was um, with some other ministers a couple of weeks ago. They had this continuing education program, and one of the retired ministers, right at the end of this talk that we heard, said, "I have trouble with that word justice," and I never found out what he meant. But it was interesting that Buddhism maybe doesn't talk about justice a lot of the time. That justice isn't. Um, necessarily the focal point. Um, I think ultimately it is, and the Dalai Lama maybe has helped bring it, make that more, um, you know, people like Dalai Lama, Thich Nhat Hanh have, have um, brought it more into the forefront and that it needs to be brought out, um, but that um, it's not the only issue that we need to think about necessarily. Hmm. That's just, you know, a thought that occurred to me. Um, but at this, for me, it was important to, to see that and to 
uh, to begin to think about that more maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, I think we've... Uh, keep looking at those bumper stickers. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we just kind of... Scratched uh, the surface, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. But... But I think in a good way and um, something to continue thinking about. None of our podcasts are definitive. No, 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 no. Of course not. <laughs> Please don't take any of this as the definitive answer to anything. <laughs> we're, I, think, I think we're very aware of the fact that this is a work in progress. Mm-hmm.